0: Well, what do you know, friends? It's another episode of The Genius Life. I'm your host, Max Lugavere, a filmmaker, health and science journalist, and the author of the New York Times best-selling book, Genius Foods. This episode features my good friend, Vanessa Fitzgerald, who's a certified nutrition consultant and health coach. She's also known to her legions of fans on Instagram as V's Honey. This episode focuses on Adderall, which is one of the drugs currently being used to treat ADHD in children around the world. Did you know that over 5% of all children in the United States ages 2 to 17 take ADHD medication? And that rates of ADHD diagnoses seem to be increasing? Yeah, according to the CDC, the percent of children aged 4 to 17 ever diagnosed with ADHD had increased from 7.8% in 2003 to 9.5% in 2007, and to 11% in 2011 to 2012. So, I mean, this is quite frankly startling, and I'm not so sure that it's the brains of our children that are the problem, as much as it is the one-size-fits-all education paradigm that simply doesn't work for every learner. But I digress. Over the next hour, you're gonna learn how Adderall began taking over Vanessa's life and how she was able to quit her addiction. You're going to discover the difference between ADD and ADHD, how treating ADHD in childhood can be potentially a recipe for massive missed career opportunities, and, of course, ways to improve your executive function naturally, which includes focus and attention, of course, whether you have ADD, ADHD, or neither. There's going to be lots of actionable takeaways. And to remind you guys, neither of us are medical doctors, so there's no medical advice being doled out over the course of the ne- of this next episode. If you currently take one of these drugs, I recommend consulting with your doctor if uh, you decide to come off of them. Um, but whatever the case may be, hear out Vanessa's case and... Um, I would love to hear what you think about it on uh, social media. Just uh, be sure to hit me up. All right, guys. Now, before we get into it, please support The Genius Life. You can do that in a number of ways. For one, you can leave a rating and review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to the show. Hopefully, I've earned that five-star rating and review from you. And if I have not yet, well, then leave that review and let me know how I might be able to improve. I read every single review including this one from Josh Kingdon. He goes, Max tackles some really interesting topics in an intelligent and pithy manner. You get a lot from these podcasts and usually less than an hour. Max asks smart questions and has some really good takes on health topics. Well, Josh, I really appreciate that, man. And to all you guys out there listening, you rule and I promise to continue to bring you great episodes week after week. Um, The other way that you can support the Genius Life is by spreading the word about it, take a screen grab, post it up on your Instagram stories, or spread the word on Twitter or Facebook if you still use that. And finally, join my newsletter, which allows me to let you guys know about my latest projects, um, podcast episodes that I really think that you should not miss, science that uh, I believe can help you live a more genius life, and so much more. All you gotta do is go to maxlugovier.com, leave your first and last name, and uh, we will be in touch. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to my intros. As always, I'm excited to get into this conversation with my good friend Vanessa Fitzgerald, a.k.a. V's Honey. Here we go. Cool. We're rolling. Thanks for being here, Vanessa.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. So I'm excited to get into your story.
1: Yeah. Healing
0: or treating, rather, ADD naturally. Yep. Why is this something that you felt like needed to be talked about?
1: Well, I personally was addicted to Adderall for 13 years, but it's a stimulant drug. And there have been some neuroscientists that have proved that it's the same thing as meth. So basically I was a fancy meth head walking around because I had a prescription and that's like, okay, as opposed to buying drugs off the street. Anyways, there's a lot of adverse side effects to using Adderall, especially for a prolonged period of time. And I just found that at age thirty, having been on Adderall for so long that my life wasn't where I wanted it to be. My career wasn't where I wanted it to be. My my personal life wasn't where I wanted it to be. My romantic relationships were non existent. And I had done the work. I felt like I had done the work. And there was one thing I hadn't changed. And it was my addiction to this drug. But it was also a very shameful addiction. You would A lot of people I know, including myself, would break it up or you'd have a pill in your purse and, you know, you'd pop it like a Tic Tac on the DL so that no one really knows what you're taking. And especially being in the health industry and preaching, you know, anti-medications and healthy food and healthy lifestyle, I felt like a fraud.
0: Hmm. Do you, I mean, but you were prescribed this drug by a doctor, right? I
1: was prescribed it by a doctor.
0: Okay. Do you think that um, for people that, that, Take it, there's a stigma attached to the drug? Is that because you use the word shame? I mean, do you feel like everybody feels sh- shame when they take that
1: drug? Well, from my experience, after the first video I posted on Instagram about my detox, I had 800 DMs and only 3,000 followers, and all 800 people expressed shame around the drug. Hmm. I have parents reaching out to me all the time about help with their kids because they have shame about putting their kids on the drug. So I've never met anybody who is a proud Adderall user.
0: Yeah. I have a family member who says that he can't function without Adderall.
1: Well, I said the same thing. So it's. I also think that there's an emotional tie to it. I mean, obviously, it messes with your serotonin, your, neuro, your neuropronephrine, um, and your dopamine levels in your brain. It basically tells your brain to take a backseat to producing dopamine. So your whole reward center is depleted after prolonged use with Adderall. So you get panic attacks, anxiety attacks when you're coming down off the drug or when you're withdrawing off the drug as a whole. Yeah. And that's scary to me to rely on a drug to be happy. Mm -hmm. All the time I mean I get with bipolar and depression and things like that but with something like this a stimulant that's like an instant high because that's what it is Was frightening to me to have to depend on that So yeah, you you end up feeling like you can't function without it I would take it to go exercise. I would take it to go out at night and party I would take it to get to the office at a job. I hated it made the job so much more interesting Mm. in school Chemistry was fascinating all of a sudden and I hate chemistry (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Um so what were like take me back to when you were first diagnosed with whatever you were what, what were you diagnosed with?
1: I was diagnosed with ADD at 17, meaning I had to go to a psychiatrist's office. I sat in front of a computer. There's a program on the computer and you just hit keys. That correspond to what's showing up on the computer screen, things like that. And then afterwards, she's like, Oh, yeah, you have got ADD, and like gave me a prescription for Adderall, and off I went. Wow. And I'll never forget the first time I took it. It was an extended time release tablet at a pretty high milligram dosage. And my heart was beating out of my chest. I was lightly sweating. I was, I picked a fight with my boyfriend at the time in high school. I was like really excited about class. I didn't sleep for 24 hours. It's an intense drug, but then your body gets used to it. And then you plateau and you need more and more and more to function. And that's what was happening.
0: So that basically created the addiction for you, I
1: guess. Yeah. And then that feeling of being high when you wake up, it's like caffeine, but but way more intense than caffeine. So you get up in the morning and you're like, oh, I'm excited to start the day until you start overanalyzing and your thoughts run wild. Because if you don't have something to focus on intently for hours on end, you start hyper-focusing on things that don't need to be focused on. And then you become nitpicky or overanalytical. And then that's when anxiety comes in. I mean, it's basically the drugs designed to put you in fight or flight all the time. And I'm sorry, we're not being chased by tigers or bears anymore. (laughs) So it's really not healthy. It shuts down your digestive system, messes with your dopamine levels. So one minute you're up, then you're down, then you have to take more, messes with your whole sleep-wake cycles, your hormones. So all your hormonal organs, especially your pituitary, your hypothalamus, your pineal, everything that's located in the brain, messes with everything.
0: When they prescribe these drugs, are they um, meant to be, are they, is it assumed that they're to be taken for life or are they, and every day, like on a chronic basis or are they, uh, because I don't know these things, are they supposed to be taken as needed?
1: I think it depends on your doctor Mm. and what they tell you to do. But for example, mine, it's a triplicate. Uh, prescription, meaning that you can't like cross state lines with it. Like my doctor in California couldn't call in a prescription to New York, for example. Hmm. Um, It's highly, highly regulated. So my doctor, every time I would go in, he'd make sure I'd have to go in to take it. He would always ask me how much I was taking a day. Sometimes I would lie. And he would also ask if I was taking it on weekends and do I take breaks. And I would always say that I took breaks, Hmm. but I didn't.
0: Wow. And so what is the difference then between, because you were diagnosed with ADD, what's the difference between ADD and ADHD?
1: So ADD is attention deficit disorder. ADHD is attention deficit hyperactive disorder. So I, in my research, I see that ADHD is more of a common term used for kids because you don't see a lot of ADHD adults or at least diagnosed that way because maybe they are ADHD, but they're like Mick Jagger and they're running around the stage and singing and that's part of their creative process. Adults you know they you find your purpose as you get older in life and maybe their purpose is using that ADHD diagnosis. But when you're a kid in school and we're all forced to to fit into this box that we all have to learn the same. We all have to get the best grade on the same exact test, which is honestly so antiquated at this point in my opinion as far as learning goes we need to celebrate the differences in learning for children but yeah you'll have that same Mick Jagger little kid drumming on his desk all day and in order for the kid the teacher to stop the kid from drumming and being too hyperactive would be to give it a stimulant you know the glorified version of meth so that they sit there and they're basically a shell of themselves all of a sudden
0: that I mean that's So interesting that, um, yeah, we medicate these kids Mm -hmm. that have this, this tendency towards hyperactivity when, you know, they might as adults find their way into, and also the same thing happens with ADD, right? Like don't we find a disproportionate number of people with ADD in, in entrepreneurial roles and as artists and creatives?
1: Yeah. And as an artist, creative entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur myself, I find that I have to, I'm constantly thinking about 10 things at once. Do I, am I able to focus for long periods of times, like six hours on end? No, but that's also not normal. We're not, we're not built that way. (laughs) It's like 25 minutes of intense focus and a five minute true break. Like not looking at your phone, walking around, getting some fresh air, getting up from your chair and then getting back to the work. As humans, we're not designed to sit there in front of a computer screen or a book for, you know, six plus hours on end without looking up, breathing, taking a sip of water. None of that. It's it's just not healthy.
0: Yeah. I mean, so obviously certain people could do that, but I feel like that's not, it. Do, I mean, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense from like an evolutionary psychology standpoint. Right? right. I mean, those are the people that end up going on and God bless them being becoming lawyers and doctors and things like 100%. that. 100%. But I agree that it's a uh, you know it's it's really hard. I, I I always have felt like I've had a kind of like latent subclinical ADD, not hyperactivity, but it was always very difficult for me growing up to read books unless I was like I had a burning passion for an interest, you know in terms of what the, like the subject was.
1: Oh, I totally agree with you. I mean, I don't think I remember one book I read in high school and now I read books that they really have to draw me in it. This, this year in January, I said to myself, I'm going to finish an entire book before I even start on another book. Cause usually I'll be like reading five books at once and then never finish them. And I finally did it. It took me a long time, but I was also very interested in the book.
0: Yeah, same. The only books that I've ever read front to back have been about nutrition. Any book that was assigned to me in school, I don't think I ever finished a single book that was assigned to me in school.
1: No, same. I'm, I'm. All my books are about nutrition, or they're like a self-help, relationship <laughs> <Yeah>. book. <laughs> what do you? What?
0: What were the, What? What are some of the last books that you've read?
1: I just read this book attached. Huh. It's really good. What's it about? Attachment patterns? Oh man. So There's like secure, anxious and avoidant attachment patterns in uh in relationships. Oh it's god. Fascinating. I'm
0: scared to know what what I am.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> worth the read.
0: Oh man.
1: I read that one. I read your book, Genius Foods.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: Love Genius Foods.
0: You were telling me that you uh you you use Genius Foods with your patients
1: hundred percent. So my, especially my phone clients, I have a lot of, I'd say the, the heaviest use of Adderall is in New York and LA, but especially in New York because it's a get up and go, go, go all day long. And that's where I use like the most of my Adderall as well. And when I'm helping clients detox and I need to talk to them about diet, because I'm also not so much about the word diet. I like a lifestyle. It's not just about us right now in the snapshot. It's about us 20 years from now which is why we do things to eat well so that we can avoid things like dementia. Um, But it's the same diet for ADD, literally. Protein, um, quality proteins, healthy fats, green leafy vegetables, moderate fructose, no artificial chemicals or preservatives and things. I mean, zero to low sugar diet, Um, low calories. I mean, preferably low carb. And when you do do carbs, complex carbs in moderation. So it's very similar to, you know, like, like for example, eating chicken liver, it's high in B12 you need and folate and folic acid. And you need those things as a woman, especially for your hormone balancing. And so when people come off Adderall and make sure that they're eating liver, that you're eating sardines, that you're eating certain brain foods to help reduce panic and anxiety attacks. Weight gain, uh, excessive appetite, hormonal imbalances. We've got to rebalance the hormones. So Genius Foods is a book that I tell all my clients to read because it's the best intro I feel into a lifestyle as far as eating for your brain rather than making it a diet. Like, oh, hey, I'm going to do the whole 30. And then as soon as that's up, I'm going to, you know, eat myself into a stupor and feel sick.
0: I, the Whole Thirty is not designed to be like a sustained diet. I don't know much about it, but it's.
1: I don't feel that way, and I find that my clients that do Whole Thirty get very frustrated. They feel deprived, and to me, it's crazy because they say they feel deprived on Whole Thirty, but they're eating like chicken and vegetables. Take away the Whole Thirty, I tell them to eat chicken and vegetables, they feel full. <laughs> it's a it's a mentality that's associated with I'm going on a diet. Mm. And it's associated with deprivation. And especially when you're detoxing off of a chemical substance, you're already feeling depleted and deprived. So why put yourself on a diet to feel even worse?
0: Yeah, I've, I've come to calling what I recommend in Genius Foods a food lifestyle. I like that. It's not a diet. It's just a new way to approach food and, and how to select the... Things that you eat that are going to serve you and that are going to that are going to help you.
1: I love your comparisons, your like split screens on Instagram. <laughs> I DM those to people all the time.
0: Oh man, that's that's cool to hear. Um, so yeah, I mean, it do in terms of you mentioned like a low carb diet. Is it why specifically a low carb? I mean, I I find that there's a lot of you know I I advocate for a low carb diet in part I think because I. The, the research on ketones mm-hmm. is too compelling for me to ignore, especially in light of you know the value that they might provide to a you know an aging brain. Um, but in terms of ADD, what about low carb is is useful to you? Is it perhaps like the fact that it kind of keeps your blood sugar steady and allows you to kind of be be more focused? I don't know what are your what are your
1: thoughts? Well, carbs spike insulin regardless of whether it's a sweet potato or a potato or rice, yes, different things hit the blood sugar, your blood sugar at different speeds. But at the same time, the body still metabolizes it and recognizes that it's the same thing. It's not like, oh, this is a sweet potato and this is a potato and I'm going to store it differently. No, it's all the same. So for me, A, yes, it spikes insulin, which also produces a stress hormone at the same time when you have Elevated levels of insulin going in to lower your blood sugar and then it gets too low and then you're stressed out and then come the crashes. Yeah. And since Adderall is triggered by wanting to stay awake, when you spike the insulin like that and it drops, then you start to crave the medication. Same thing with carbohydrates and causing weight gain. When you spike insulin, you gain weight. So the same thing happens as far as triggering weight loss. A lot of females take Adderall in order to manage their weight.
0: Yeah. That's scary.
1: It's scary. It's a weight loss drug. It's you know what the generic it says on the bottle amphetamine. It says on everyone's bottle amphetamine. Jeez. It's only missing one ingredient from meth. Really? One ingredient. Whoa. So yeah, and also I find that with carbohydrates a lot of them are cause a lot of different histamine reactions and you know, they say for for getting off of Adderall, especially with kids and a Lego antigenic diet, which is basically an elimination diet, hmm. is essential. And I find that the foods that they those diets tend to tell you to take out are things like grains and gluten and sugar. So why not just try ketogenic rather than do the elimination diet? It already eliminates so much. You feel full, you feel energized. Ketones are so essential and it's great for the brain. So I do think that cycling keto is important, for example, especially with women and their hormones. And then your liver enzymes can elevate if you're not doing it correctly. Like a lot of people start keto and they start free basing, you know, ch- bad quality cheese and, <laughs> and like commercial butter, and you know. Yeah, that's no bueno. Yeah, eating steak with like and chewing on the giant, you know, animal fat pieces. That, that are is a the huge.
0: <laughs> There's a huge misconception with keto that to reach higher levels of ketosis you've got to consume more fat when ketone generation in the body is purely a function of insulin levels and totally. how few carbohydrates you're consuming mm-hmm. so these like, the idea of like fat bombs and having to like get more fat i think it's so uh misguided
1: yeah and they're scared of eating like too many leafy greens
0: yeah true
1: which is insane
0: right leafy greens are so important I was trying to find the episode. I forget, I, I don't remember the number, but um, I featured Dr. Drew Ramsey on my podcast, and we talk a little bit about the role of diet in mental health, um, specifically anxiety and depression. So, if you guys listening want to check that out, we go deep into the mechanics of food and how it may modulate symptoms of depression, um, risk for major depressive disorders, and the like. But we talk a little bit about the role of blood sugar and anxiety. And so, he kind of echoed similar a similar sentiment that by eating a diet that just, you know, messes with your blood sugar uh, more infrequently, it is, you then perhaps are able to become less prone to panic attacks. If you're prone to anxiety, for example.
1: Yeah. And going off of Adderall, actually being on Adderall causes anxiety and panic attacks. It can, prolonged use can cause schizophrenia-like symptoms, um, hallucinations, but mainly it's a lot of anxiety and panic attacks. So what happens? They put them on an antidepressant. So then you're on a nice cocktail of stuff. And then the antidepressant causes your penis not to work. So then all of a sudden you're on Cialis. <laughs> like oh. what? Is, when does it end?
0: That, does it have comparable effects in women? Does it do it? it affects libido, right? It totally affects
1: libido. Um, antidepressants do, but so does Adderall. So Adderall is a stimulant, right? So when I went off Adderall, I basically was was dead. Like just I thought I was dead inside. Like oh, there right. was there was zero desire to do anything whatsoever. And a lot of my male clients uh, complain about the same thing. So then they'll go and they'll get a blood test to test their testosterone. Their testosterone's fine. They're just used to that reward center being highlighted all the time, and they're so depleted that they just have to give their body time to rebalance their hormones out. Wow. And they automatically want to reach for things like Viagra or Cialis or things to boost their testosterone. I'm like, please don't take another pharmaceutical. You're going to be fine.
0: Yeah, those drugs don't even boost your testosterone. They basically create nitric oxide in the nether regions. Yep. But um, man, that's, that's worrisome for sure. Yeah. That cocktail, that polypharmacy tendency.
1: Yeah. It's, it's so common and it's crazy because on Instagram, like I'll have people in Germany and in the United Kingdom and all over the world, Dubai. And they're like, what is this Adderall you talk about? Sounds horrible. I thought you're supposed to be into health. Like, what is this? They don't even know what it is. But that's also because it's not prevalent there. It's the Western diet that we find is causing more and more, like the typical Western diet, ADHD in kids, ADD in adults. I mean, we're moving way more towards health, and there's a lot more education being around it. But even like the EU puts warning labels on certain things, on, on every product with additives that's on the shelf, saying that this food may have an adverse effect on activity and attention in children.
0: This food?
1: Yes. Your opinion requires a warning label on food packaging that contains additives. And it says this food, it's not even a food, <laughs> may have an adverse effect on activity and attention in children.
0: Wait, do you, what are some of the additives?
1: Well, you think about like Gatorade. So like, you know, I don't know, red number five or yellow whatever or, you know, all the different additives that are out there. Anything I mean, that you can't pronounce or see on your plate most likely is an additive that doesn't belong in your body.
0: I mean, I feel that. Like, I, I'm, I definitely agree that these chemical additives, industrial chemicals, should be guilty until proven innocent. But then there's, I know that there's going to be skeptics that are listening that are like, if you broke apart a blueberry, there's like countless, you know, in, like a, a huge number of chemicals that you can't pronounce.
1: Right. Well, an organic blueberries because an organic blueberry, if you start researching those chemicals, yes, everything is a chemical compound. Like vitamin C is a chemical compound, right? We see a lot that they'll extract the ascorbic acid, which is not bad for you. It, that is what is makes up vitamin C pretty much, but they'll extract that from like an acerole, a cherry. But here's where we hit a wall. Then in order to make it into a supplement that you would see maybe at like a GNC or maybe even whole foods, they'll, they'll turn it into uh, a synthetic form of it with a bunch of other chemical compounds to make sure it releases in the system, right? That maybe some fillers in the tablet as well. It's not the whole food supplement. And really our bodies are designed to, to have whole foods. So it starts with a diet, right? But also whole food supplements, making sure that your supplement is just food related. So rather than extracting the ascorbic acid, you need the full vitamin C complex from its original form. So rather find something where they actually take the acerola cherry and they squash that and they turn that into a tablet hmm. that's not mixed with a bunch of other synthetic fillers.
0: Wow. I can't believe that that Europe thing. So what are some of the foods that you think are most impactful um, in terms of helping treat ADD or ADHD naturally?
1: Protein is number one. Um, I see a lot of vegans that are low in protein. They tend to have a lot of brain fog and difficulty concentrating. Um,
0: I feel like that's probably – protein probably plays a role, but it's probably – there are a number of other nutrients that are oh, not I mean, a zillion, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> essential, f- you need fats. You need fats to fuel the brain in order to think, in order to produce dopamine, in order to be happy. You need fat. Um, dark leafy greens. I think that liver is really important, as mm. I said.
0: You're one of the few females I know that... Actually, is down with liver.
1: Really? It's like, it's the best source of vitamin A for women. I always tell women, too, that are trying to get pregnant, like, start eating a lot of liver. Hmm.
0: Um, Not just any liver, though. You want to make sure. It's no, high
1: quality. Yeah. Of course. Um, yeah. Also, you know, things that are high in polyphenols, like certain unfiltered olive oils, uh, maybe like dark, like cacao, raw cacao in moderation, blueberries. Um, also things like salmon salmon's amazing um like you always talk about the astaxanthin yeah it's really important um omega-3s are super important for the brain we find that a lot of people with adhd have low levels of iron but it's not that they're low like they would never be considered anemic it's more of their ferritin levels So if you have a kid, you don't want to like just start feeding them iron because it does show that in kids with ADHD, it has almost the exact same effect as a stimulant. But if if the kid has high ferritin levels, you don't want to do that. But if the ferritin levels are low, but the iron looks fine, like they're not anemic, then there is a need for iron there. Hmm. Zinc and magnesium are also really two really important minerals for ADHD Um, but yeah, as far as food's concerned, you can get a lot of these if you have a balanced nutrient rich diet, which consists of high quality grass fed or wild caught protein, uh, healthy fats that are not, you know, putrefied that you don't, you know, you're not using like certain fats at too high of a heat that aren't supposed to be that way. Um, the dark leafy greens, certain fruits in moderation, just really low sugar.
0: Yeah. What do you tell a patient who presents to you and is on a restricted diet, like a vegan diet? Like say, you know, I present to you, my name is Kirsten, Mm -hmm. and I refuse to eat anything that has been produced by or come from an animal, and yet I'm complaining of brain fog and, you know, an inability to focus. What do you, like, what do you tell me?
1: I'm very blunt, and I state the facts. And even if they're type A blood, I tell them that what they're eating, basically when we're not feeding our body nutrients and the full spectrum of nutrients, our organs are starving. And if our organs are starving, that's what causes chronic reactions in the body. And if we're not feeding our organs, we're constantly feeling hungry, which I also find a lot of the time with some vegans, a lot of snacking going on. And when your organs are starving and you're not getting the nutrients in that, therefore your blood isn't getting the nutrients, your brain's not getting the nutrients, everything starts to malfunction. And I give it to them black or white. Like if you're not willing to take a whole food supplement that may have an animal product in it, or if you're not willing to incorporate certain things into your diet, then I don't know how much I can help you. And that's the truth. And that's what I truly believe. Like I went to a future of food conference with all of these like amazing Silicon Valley tech entrepreneurs, but I had to, to leave out of some of the talks because it was a lot of vegan propaganda and processed foods that they were trying to promote. Yes. I'm not going to McDonald's and eating the meat there. I totally am against the whole mass farming of cows. I get all of that. But I'm sorry I love myself more than I do that cow, that grass-fed cow. I need that, those nutrients in order to survive.
0: Yeah. Are your patients mostly um, adults or do you see children and their parents as well?
1: I see anywhere from 2 to 65.
0: Wow. So what about – how do you um, – what do you tell parents then because you know, their children – this is something a question that I run into a lot – obviously your children aren't with you all the time. They go to their friends' homes and they're eating sugar and snacks and things like that. What What's a good strategy for parents that are listening to help improve the way that their kids are able to focus and, and pay attention?
1: I think the most important part is to make health fun. And for some reason I find that parents think of it too much as deprivation. And they're like, well, my child, like it's not, they're not eating the same way as every other kid and, and th- That anxiety, kids can sense emotion more than we can. They sense energy and emotion at a very heightened level. So if you're stressed out about it, they're going to stress out about it. You have to make food fun. You have to find ways around it and you have to make it fun. And if they have a little bit of sugar at a party, it's not the end of the world. But at the same time, I know kids that where food is healthy food is fun in their household where they don't even reach for that, that food at the party. It's just because it's a non-issue. I mean, we do cause eating disorders in kids at a young age when we become hyper vigilant and stressed out about it at the same time. If you're not relaxed and fun about it and confident, you have to be confident because you're running the show. The kid isn't. I, I can't hear another, my kid won't eat this or that. I'm sorry. Your kid will eat what you put in front of them or they won't eat. Like who's running the show here? <laughs> So it's, it just starts there. And I think that um, it's to be a little bit more relaxed about it because they'll sense that you're relaxed and then they will relax around it. But if, it's, if there is a sense of deprivation and a no and a no, you can't, you can't, you can't, what are they going to do the opposite? They're going to rebel like with anything else in life.
0: Tell me about exercise. Where does exercise uh, play into your, your protocol
1: I am a big fan of high intensity exercise and interval training. Um, I think it's really important for producing human growth hormone naturally in the body. I think it really helps with anti aging. Weightlifting is really important for bone density and preventing osteoporosis, but also, weightlifting helps the brain. Um, a lot of people are free basing calcium, which is one of the worst things I believe you can do. Um, better to get vitamin K and D into your system and a good weightlifting routine in order to create strong bones. Um, And the cardio really boosts dopamine. You're having a crash, you can't get to the gym, you're so tired, walk around the block, get some fresh air, get your heart rate up. Move your arms, don't walk around the block looking at your phone, but look at like the panorama view, it's really important for your brain. Swing your arms, like move your entire spine, everything's connected and everything is fluid and it needs to be moving. And that's how I feel about exercise, I think is essential to anybody's health. Like whether you can motivate or not, it's all about endurance and you'll build it up over time. And not everybody's meant to do the same exact physical exercise, but there's two things I think are important is get your cardio in somehow and get your weightlifting in somehow.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I also find that being out in nature is a great sort of mental boost for me.
1: Oh, me too. When I'm, when I find that I go from like home to the office, to the car, I start to lose it a little bit. Like I need to go on a hike. I need to be in nature. I need to maybe be barefoot in grass somewhere, which is hard now because everything looks like AstroTurf, (laughs) but you know, get away to like, Big sir, drive somewhere. It costs nothing, maybe some gas to drive somewhere, but just to get outside and breathe and be in nature, even if you're in an environment where it snows, like get outside, breathe in that snowy air. Look at the trees, even though they're dead, with snow on them. It's important for us to have this panorama view of the world and really absorb nature.
0: Any uh, supplements that you found to be really helpful? I mean, that you obviously... You know, what I talk about a lot of my podcasts is that there's really no such thing as a one-size-fits-all diet and supplement regimen. But, I mean, you know, some supplements that you've found to maybe be, you know, of the more f- efficacious in terms of helping with uh, focus and attention.
1: Yeah, I think a high-quality rhodiola is very helpful.
0: Interesting. What is rhodiola?
1: Rhodiola is a plant, and it really helps to boost uh, concentration and focus and cognitive function. It also helps with depression and anxiety. Hmm. So rhodiola is one of those magical things that I really love, whether it's in a tea form, a tincture, you just want to make sure you're getting a high quality, you're not going to like GNC and finding something that's pressed into a capsule. I'd go to like a health food store, find a, qual- a high quality rhodiola um, that really helps with concentration. Lion's mane, but I wouldn't do lion's mane every single day. I think your body builds up a tolerance and I'm told by a lot of these mushroom entrepreneurs that it's best to take it like every other day. Hmm. So lion's mane, I find, helps a lot with cognitive function. It's not the same as like a hardcore stimulant, but you're you're able to focus. Yeah. But it's a more, you're... I like to say that things like Adderall and high stimulants are more of a distracted productivity. It's not really that productive. You're kind of like constantly distracted all over the place and maybe you've read an entire book, but I don't know if you'll actually remember everything that you've read. This is more of like a slow concentrated productivity. So, so you get more out of what you're doing when you take things like lion's mane rhodiola as opposed to, you know, a stimulant L-theanine really, really helps with the brain. Um, I find that lemon balm and lemon balm tea helps a lot with reducing anxiety and sleeping at night because it can really throw off your circadian rhythm, rhythm being on stimulants. Um, a good quality B12 and a vitamin D helps a lot. Uh, GABA for night as well to sleep. These are some of the supplements that have personally helped me. And a good liver supplement. If you're not eating liver, then take a good liver supplement.
0: Hmm. That's, uh, that's good advice. Um, listeners of this podcast know many of my episodes uh, are sponsored by Four Sigmatic. I'm bringing it up because you can you guys can head over to foursigmatic.com. Use promo code MAX, save 15% off. They have um, epic Lion's Mane products. I don't know what you think about Four Sigmatic. The
1: best they're, is what I use.
0: They're great, yeah. So you can go check them out. Uh, again, promo code MAX. I'm a fan of their coffees that have Lion's Mane in them. They also have these like elixirs and things like that. We talked about rhodiola, rhodiola. It's probably one of the more of the well-studied adaptogens, right? Mm-hmm. Which is uh, interesting. It's this, this class of plant compounds that... May help, um, you know, boost stress resilience and things like that. Uh, what else did we talk about? Supplement? Oh, theanine. So theanine is interesting because it's found in green tea, mm-hmm. and I actually love to use green tea as a as a nootropic. I always drink like a small cup before I have to do like TV or some big. You know, if I'm doing a presentation. I pretty much am always drinking, like, a little bit of green tea beforehand.
1: Yeah. No, it's excellent. Also, omega-3s, quality fish oils. I know you've gone over that many times with how to decipher what a quality fish oil is as opposed to a pretty crap one. Yeah. Um, yeah, fish oils help a lot. The L-theanine, the green tea, all things like that. I know there's one more that I was missing. Um, I'll think of it. But, yeah, those are, I think, the most essential essential ones as far as like boosting brain and cognitive function and focus.
0: Super helpful. We've talked about like a lot of extrinsic things to help, uh, you know, buttress your brain function, um, nature, exercise, a dietary pattern that may help, supplements. Are there any like mental tricks that you use when you feel like your ADD is maybe, um, you know, creeping up, or whatever. I don't know what the what the proper vernacular is, but like any you know mindfulness tactics or meditation.
1: I'm a big fan of first off that, like I said, the 25 minute short period of time working, and then the five minute getting up and walking around. I feel like I get more done. Um, okay,
0: wait. So what is that? Walk us through what that's like.
1: So it, it can go from I either do 25 minutes and five minutes off, or 45 minutes and 10 minutes off. So I'll sit in front of my computer, I'll answer emails or maybe I'll write a blog post or I'll write an article for a publication and I'll sit there for 25 concentrated minutes. My timer goes off so I don't burn out. I take five minutes, I get up, I get water, maybe I go to the bathroom, I walk around, I can't look at my phone. I go back, then it's 25 minutes concentrated work and that keeps going um sometimes i'll go 45 minutes and then 10 minutes off but that way i don't burn out i don't crash i don't get to the point where i get writer's block or i can't think anymore or i'm thinking about too many different things that helps a lot also if you're finding that you're having a hard time concentrating all the time i would lower your exposure to things like phone televisions with commercials uh things like that like high high stimulating things i wouldn't listen to like EDM or pop music because it spikes dopamine too fast while you're working. I would listen to classical so that there's like a slow release of oxytocin in the brain. Um, So those are some of my hacks. Meditation, of course, like if you're feeling tired, a lot of times we mistake being uh, hungry or depressed when we're tired. We're just tired. We need a rest and it's okay. And, and people feel like resting for some reason is a sign of weakness. I'm actually one of, I should, I'm guilty of that as well. So sitting and closing your eyes for, I mean, I'd say 20 minute minimum when you're experiencing that crash, it's almost as great as like a cup of coffee um, and learning how to, you know, Meditate, picking a mantra and just repeating it in your brain until you lose it just so that you can clear your mind for a minute. There's also great guided meditations out there. There's so many apps out there like Headspace and um, Insight Timer that are really helpful as well for starting a meditation practice.
0: I love uh, when you mentioned listening to music. I find when I'm writing that um, I love listening to music, but I cannot listen to music with lyrics in it. With like words. It can't, I I feel like, and I don't have any like data to back it up, but I feel like it just, when there's words, you know, if the song is familiar or even if it's it's unfamiliar, it engages your brain's like language centers. Mm -hmm. And when I'm like writing on, you know, writing or trying to read and comprehend and store what it is that I'm reading, if there's music on in the background with lyrics, just my brain like shuts down.
1: Oh, I agree. I agree. I'm it's subconsciously those lyrics are either creeping in, sometimes I'll repeat the lyrics or I'll notice the lyrics. But like I said, things like classical music are is the best thing for me.
0: Classical music. I love um like instrumental jazz. Yeah. Movie scores, I'm a huge fan of.
1: Instrumental jazz is what we play in the office. Oh yeah, it's good.
0: Yeah. I noticed when I walked in. Yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. Um what else? Anything that we didn't touch on that uh that that you feel like would be of value to my wonderful listeners?
1: Um, the, well, we had briefly talked about like the, the effects of Adderall on relationships. Cause I know that you probably have a lot of listeners out there that are either, you know, single or married. They're trying to figure their life out. Yeah. Um, as we all are. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's another big hot topic right now. And, or always, cause as humans, we're designed to, to be in community and not be alone.
0: So, like Adderall in the setting of marriage.
1: Yeah, in the setting of marriage, or even in the dating world, huh. um, it's it's an isolating drug first and foremost because you're very in your head and you're not present. If you're constantly ruminating on thoughts or information, things like that. And the dip. So when you're coming down off the drug, it's like any drug you come down off of. It can cause things like anger, crying spells. You know, just you start to pick a fight. You nitpick your partner all the time because if you're not concentrating at work, you're concentrating on them and what's wrong with them. I find that it just disrupts a lot of relationships. There's like this angst, even the ones like the other concentration drugs. I mean, when I say Adderall, I'm talking about all of it: Concerta, Vyvanse, even Modafinil and Nuvigil. Which Modafinil is really big by like Dave Asprey and all these. these biohackers <laughs> talk about.
0: <laughs> we don't mean to laugh, but uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, if it's if if they are truly helping you and serving you, then by all means, right, right.
1: But I find that with modafinil, while Adderall can make you stressed out a little bit, anxious or very anxious and nitpicky, modafinil makes you very um, apathetic and irritable. So I. I was once in a relationship with a guy who was on Modafinil and I was on Adderall. And while I was like anxious and needy and nitpicky, he was angry and apathetic. It was a great combination. You guys
0: must have been a pleasure to be around.
1: It was phenomenal. (laughs) Um, Needless to say, that lasted two months. Um, But yeah, no, it's it. And I've seen that with everyone. And I even when I went off Adderall, I did this on my Instagram. I tried Modafinil one day and I got it from a popular biohacker. Wow. And I tried it and it was not uh, yeah, it was not a fun drug. It was the same thing as Adderall except you don't have that like stimulant, you know, overdrive. It's more of like a you're super focused. It's it's an anti-narcoleptic cuz we all need that. Yeah. We don't.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So neither of us are uh, medical doctors. We don't have MDs after our names, but to somebody who is trying to get off of Adderall, What, I mean, how do you help facilitate the deprescription
1: process? So it depends on the amount that they're on. I personally, I'm not a doctor and I give this warning to all my clients. I, uh, but there's, there's no, there's no real bad side effects with detoxing off Adderall. It's not like I won't take somebody off of a benzodiazepine or SSRI, but as far as Adderall is concerned, it's in your system and then it's not right. So I am a big fan of cold turkey. I think just get it out of your system because every time you take it again, you hit the reset button and it's back in your system again. And it's not a detox. Like a week later, you're fine. It's a withdrawal. It's not linear. It's a roller coaster ride. Mm. And like you could be fine for three months. and the fourth month, you start having panic attacks. It's about learning how to manage all of that. So I start them off by recommending they go cold turkey. Some people are in very high milligrams and they start to go down. Then they go cold turkey. My biggest thing is sleep. It's really, I mean, you can take all the things in the world to try and heal your adrenals, but the best way to heal your adrenals is to sleep. So if you need to sleep, you need to allow yourself to sleep. And the more you beat yourself up for having to sleep, the worse it gets. The shame, the guilt creates more problems with ADD. Um, Diet change is huge for me. And I work on a gradient scale so that I don't shock the system too much. That doesn't feel like a diet and it feels more like a lifestyle. And then we bring in supplementation. So I make sure that they have everything lined up. Like Mm -hmm. I have a great liver supplement that also happens to work like nature's Xanax. So I give that to my clients. So if they're having a panic attack or an anxiety attack or they're feeling depressed, they take this and it makes them, it doesn't even, it's not a sedative or anything like that. It just stops your brain from misfiring because really it's your brain playing tricks on you. It's not necessarily you. It has to learn how to function on its own. Then we talk about hormonal balance. Usually that happens first with women because they'll tend to lose their period. Men experience it about four to five months in of just losing their libido. Hmm. Um, And then exercise routine. And then usually, I mean, I've had clients be fine after a week. They don't think about the medication anymore. They're fine. Maybe they'll touch base with me six months later and they need to hit the refresh button, but they still haven't touched the pill. Um I've I've never had an unsuccessful client that has gone back to the drug.
0: Wow. Um yeah, I mean I would say if you guys are you never want to stop a drug without at least consulting—do your patients consult with their doctors?
1: They always do, yeah. and then the doctors always say there's no harm in going off of okay. it. There are some doctors that are like, "Well, I feel like you're still not concentrating, so we need to up it." But you know, doctors right. also make money from writing prescriptions. So. Yeah. Um, but with Adderall, there really is no danger, and I'll say I'll say consult with your doctor and make yeah. sure there's no danger. The doctor can't say that there's danger because there is none.
0: Got it. It's just like uh but some drugs obviously like SSRIs 100%.
1: I don't do that. Right, right. I'll work in conjunction with a doctor to help balance the brain naturally like through food and things like that. Yeah. But I will never that and benzos. Hmm. Like Xanax, Ativan, Ambien, Valium. You can't touch those. Well, Ambien's not a benzo, but yeah.
0: Wow, very interesting. Well, this was uh this was enlightening. Wow, I learned a lot. Um where can, before we get to the last question of the podcast, where can listeners connect with you if they have questions, if they want to follow you? You've got a ton of fans out there.
1: Yeah. For, I guess There's a lot of people on Adderall, apparently. Um, they can find me at V's Honey, V-E-E-S-H-O-N-E-Y on Instagram, or they can email me at info at vshoney.com or my website, vshoney.com.
0: What is V's Honey?
1: A long time ago, a friend of mine was like, you need a name for, for the stuff that you do, your health obsession, all of this. And you make life sweeter without the sugar. I think you should call yourself Bee's honey. It's like a play on bees, honey. And then I was like, Oh, that's cute. I'll stick with it. And then it just kind of like stuck. stuck. Oh it's man. Here.
0: Well now I, I finally get it. So thanks for, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for, uh, for sharing that. All right, Vanessa, what does it mean to you to live a genius life?
1: To be fully present, which I'm still working on, because I think that we're not promised tomorrow or an hour from now, and the to live a genius life would to be would to be as present as possible, to enjoy every single moment that we have, to uh, cultivate connection through being present, because it's we don't we're not going to look back and remember every single achievement that we've had. And every single thing we did throughout the day. But we will remember moments with people or places or with nature. So being present is something I'm really trying to work on.
0: How are you working on it?
1: Meditation reminders when I tend to think to future or past. um, And refocusing and just telling myself all I have is here and all I have is now. And just repeating that mantra.
0: I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time. To so all you guys out there listening in podcast land, as always, I value your attention. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, if you guys, if this episode resonated with you, please share it. Take a screen grab, post it up on your Instagram stories, highlight your favorite quote, tag Vanessa or I, share it on Twitter. If you're still using Facebook, share it on that. Do whatever you can to spread the word about what we're doing here at The Genius Life. That would mean the world to me and it would also help do a world of good potentially for the person that stumbles upon it on your social media account you got to pay it forward in life you know all right guys have a good one i'll see you in the next episode peace